What if it's not too late? What if you truly can retire confidently? I'm Telton W. Hall, certified financial planner and best-selling author of The Secure Solution, creating a high-quality retirement in a low-interest rate world. My team and I have engaged in thousands of retirement planning sessions with middle and upper middle class Americans, people like you with their own unique fears and families and their own messes and their own successes. And they have done just that, retired confidently. If you're willing to go with me, I can tell you how. It's story time. Let's go. Hey, welcome back. Telton here with the Retire Confidently podcast. So this is part two of my interview with Eric and Emily Orton, creators of The Awesome Factory. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you're going to want to. So stop right here. Go back, listen to that last week's episode. Don't worry, I'll be waiting right here for you when you finish that one. I'll be right here with part two of my interview with the Ortons. I want to come back to, uh, Eric, what you said about this mini retirement idea. I like it a whole bunch, but before we get to that, take a minute and give us the backstory. I mean, Eric, you're an Emmy award-winning writer. Emily, you're an English teacher turned stay-at-home homeschool mom, right? And then the, the catalyst in your life that went from, we're going to make this jump from, from New York to a sailboat for a year. And then what happened after that? So walk me through some of just the highlights of, of those major transitions. Sure. I'll, I'll give you the, the high-level version. The detailed version is in, in Seven at Sea. And, and so if you want the nitty-gritty, you can go there. Uh, basically, we were living in New York because I was working in the Broadway industry. And I went out on a limb and produced a show that was a complete flop. It it did ruin us financially. <laughs> uh, I did not know that part of the story. Oh, my goodness. So talk about courage and then actually having it not go as planned. All right, continue. Yeah, stop it. Yeah, Eric was working on this massive show called Wicked, which was one of the most stable shows in the whole industry. But I could still be working there today, you know, a decade later if I wanted thank to. Thank goodness you're not. But I worked there less than a year because I, I went out on a limb. I wanted to produce my own projects, raised a bunch of capital, hired the team, director, designers, general manager, everything. And within a couple of months, on the eve of our son's birth, our, our fourth child, the show closed. It tanked. We lost all of our investors' money. I was... uh Within a short period of time, broke. I was on the cover of Crane's Business New York, or what is it, Crane's New York Business Magazine, as basically the poster boy for failed off Broadway. Well, at least you're famous. <laughs> so it was, in addition to uh, sort of losing everything financially, I was completely humiliated. And I, I never talked about this, Telton. I, I was so embarrassed. I, after after our money ran out, I had to go get a job just to pay the bills. And I took a temp job downtown in the financial district, um, working nights, doing graphics for an investment bank. And I just, I didn't want anybody to know what had happened in my life. Aside, I mean, aside from what was on the magazine covers, I just disappeared because it was like the most terrible thing I could imagine. 
And honestly, I never really talked about this whole experience publicly until we wrote Seven at Sea. And Seven at Sea was very much therapy for me to sort of work through this, this um, traumatic experience as a, as a husband and a father and a provider because it really shook my world. Yeah, this is the, this is the real deal. This is real stuff right here. Like, it's real stuff. We're Tell celebrating you. you as a success here. But like, I mean, this is as, as emotionally, uh, obviously financially, but like emotionally and mentally, like hard, hard things, real life. You're going, I appreciate you sharing it with. There's people that I'm certain are listening to this feeling like, if the Ortons can bounce back from that, I can bounce back from where I am. Go, I'm sorry. I'm going, I, I hope that's what your listeners get they, this because I, I'm going to, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you some of my income numbers if you want, because I just want to, I want people to know that this does not have to be some pie in the sky, you know, you got to be earning a million dollars a year kind of a thing. We, we were at zero, zero. I want to say something here to the emotional side of it. Obviously I had just had a baby and I had three other little children at home and it wasn't really, I wasn't in a good spot to be like, well, let me help out with this. But Eric, I just admired him so much and I was so grateful and I know how much it cost him personally because the phrase he would use is like, I'm willing to put my head in the lion's mouth to take care of our family. And that's what it felt like to him. I mean, I know you're going to like a gray cubicle in some nameless building at the other end of the island, but but you were like, it was all for this super noble cause and and I felt it. I felt it deeply and, um, and you just, I felt like you were our hero. Well, I'm, as you can tell, I'm, I'm super lucky to have a wife who believes in me the way Emily does. And I feel like that was one of the, the big factors in, in, um, in being able to pull out of this pit that we had gone head into. Um, so we're talking about how we got out of that, where we went from there. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Yep. So uh, the backstory of that, that was pre- and then what, boat. Yep, what led you into the boat and then after the boat. And, and then so that that's where we started. And then it was while I was working this temp job downtown that I would see these sailboats going up and down the Hudson River at night. You know, I would go out for a dinner break because I'm working nights. Graveyard. So sunset, sailboats, beautiful. I'm feeling wrecked and ruined. And I just see people out on the boats and I'm like, oh, man, I just want some of that in my life. And it just looked so beautiful, so lovely, and so peaceful. And I would call Emily on my dinner break, and we would talk, trying to figure out how we're going to recover. He would call me from a payphone and tell me the number. I would call him back so he wouldn't use our rollover minutes. Right. <laughs> we were like one, one cell phone with like limited minutes. This, you know, and this was a while ago. Yeah. But yeah, and so I said, I think all these boats are coming out of this sailing school that's right here by where I work. Because it took me a while to realize that it was even there. And she said, oh, you should go check it out. And if you need this in your life, then let's figure out a way to make it happen. And I was like, here's the thing. To sail, you need to be rich. You need to come from, or you need to come from sort of a pedigree of people who sailed. Or you just needed to. Um, it just wasn't for you. It, it, it just felt like this was another world. Like I'm down here in Wall Street and there's people who, you know, like hedge fund managers and investment bankers. And I just feel like I'm this imposter down there. And that this is for them, not for me. And Emily really persisted. And she said, just, just go in and check it out. And finally, I got up the courage to step into something that felt totally foreign, totally out of my league. And I went in 
And I was like, hey, my name's Eric, and I'm curious to know how this works, your sailing classes. That was the beginning. We knew nothing about sailing. We had never owned a boat. We'd never been, a, I'd never known anybody that owned a boat. And, and so this was a totally new space where I felt out of my depth emotionally, financially, socially, every possible way you could imagine. Right. That's where we began. And then fast forward, I'll say four or five years, we, we got to a different place. We bought this used fixer-upper sailboat in the Caribbean, sight unseen. We flew down with our five kids. We moved aboard, and that was the beginning of our sailing adventure. But in my mind, getting to that point was the real transformation, the real adventure. And I would say everyone always asks, like, what does... What does your wife think about all of this? Which is why we wrote the book together. Because someone was like, people are going to want to know, like, what was his wife thinking this whole time? And the first thing I want to say about what Eric has just shared is that even while he was in the groove, choosing <laughs> to pay the rent and put food on the table, um, the reason he chose to work the graveyard shift was so that in the morning he could still be writing. He was still writing. He was still pursuing his creative interest. His kids saw like dad gets up, he gets to his desk, he's writing and he's working to make that happen while he's simultaneously taking care of us. And we actually, we had one daughter who thought he worked in the subway station because she just always saw him go down those steps and figured that's where he was all day. <laughs> she was really young. Um like the, so, the te you know, teacher that sleeps in the classroom. I just, right, she, right. Lives, she lives there. He lives here. <laughs> Where else would they go? All right. Uh, so from my side, when he told me that um, they could do this class, I, I was all about it and trying to help him find people who could take the class with him. And, and um, We had to have four people to do the class. And nobody was available, you know, midday, midweek to go sailing and so finally one day he he said hey I have this great idea why don't you and Karina and Allison take this class with me I'm like now you have to pay for the class four times how is that better you know right um and also I am terrified of water like I wouldn't go to the deep end of the swimming pool unless someone else was also in there that I could swim faster than because I have an irrational fear of sharks and so are you saying this is a big so part serious. of the story so yeah. serious. Yeah, it's just because I was four when Jaws came out, and I know that the TV commercial, like, scarred me. Traumatized you. So I'm, like, now in my mid-30s still, like, afraid. And um, the girls were totally excited, and he just said, like, you'll never have to get in the water. You'll just stay on the boat. In fact, that's a great reason why you should learn how to sail so that you never have to get in the water. <laughs> uh, and I was, you know, I was outgunned. Um I decided, okay, we'll do this class. And it just kept escalating from there, from passing the class to trying out on our own to then saying, hey, what if we just go as a family, as a, as a way to connect? We'll just keep sailing a few times a month. Eric found a really good deal on a, a place where we could have unlimited access during the season to just little 20-foot boats. And it was so delightful to just have our kids to ourselves during that time. And it kept expanding our thinking. And then we um, we got trained on bigger boats, like the size you could live on. And and yeah, it all led to this like dramatic transformation where we just packed up our belongings and, and moved on this, this fixer-upper sailboat. I will say for me, in the middle, there was an experience where I thought, 
about this concept of being the example for our kids. And I was like, am I really going to live on a sailboat for a year with five kids and I'm never going to get in the water? Sounds like a safety hazard like to, to be the other adult and unwilling to get in the water. So we were in our class learning how to sail and um, we were in a beautiful little um, lagoon in the Caribbean and everyone else in the class was snorkeling already. They were over by a, a reef and I was just sitting on the boat by myself and I decided like, what what kind of example am I really setting for my kids? Like, I have to, I have to at least try. So I put on a snorkel mask and flippers and I got in the water. It was probably 15 feet deep, you know, open. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was so... Scared. I was just sort of like singing uh, Sunday school songs to myself, trying to calm my my nerves. And um, I saw this huge thing, something big, like swam right past me. You know, you don't have peripheral vision in those. Anyway, it turns out it was actually only um, a sea turtle, super green sea turtle. But I just, you know, took a breath and then swam as fast as I could to the reef. And the reef was incredible. It was fascinating. It was beautiful. My fears melted away in my fascination and um, it changed everything for me. One, because I wasn't afraid of the ocean anymore. I was like, this is one of my favorite things now. Like I want to do this every day, but it also had to change my relationship to fear to say like, if this awesome thing was hiding out on the other side of my fears, like what else am I missing out on? And it emboldened me to just approach those things that made me nervous and felt outside of my comfort zone with just a little more urgency. So that yeah. that's how we ended up getting like to the point where we're on a boat in the Caribbean with our five kids being like, here we are. Here we are. We're <laughs> doing this. These steps, like you talk about, both of you had to take these steps. It's interesting that Eric's was a substantial part of it was actually social. Like I don't belong here was mm-hmm. part of Eric's like going, going into the sailing club. Yours was this, you know, this visceral reaction like are you kidding me and then you both take these these steps and when you come through them you're actually emboldened to have more urgency to see what else is out there beyond your fears i that's really really compelling tell me this i see where folks take those first steps like you've just talked about and they have a good experience it emboldens them to continue on to continue forward and then it seems like they're are at least several points along the journey when they're like, it's hard to even remember why they, why they started, why it's like, okay, like these are great stories to share about having courage to start, but having the courage to continue just sounds like, like just too much work or, or too scary or whatever it is, too much drudgery. Are there some moments you can think of along your journey where where you were in that kind of a situation and the courage was actually just to continue forward. Yes, totally. In fact, the very next day after we moved on our boat, I woke up and I just thought, we have made the stupidest decision of our whole life. <laughs> 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 you wake up, I'm here, I'm on a boat, I've already saved for four and a half years, put everything into this and now... What was I thinking? Exactly, Telton. Exactly. And so, because we got there and we realized that the boat needed a lot more work than we had anticipated, that um, it was going to be a lot more expensive than we had planned. And just the, the, the whole thing felt, we thought we were prepared. And we rose to the challenge eventually. But those first few days, 
we really just wanted to say, you know what? You can have the boat back. We're going to buy plane tickets, fly right back to New York. I'm going to beg for my job back. We're going to undo this whole thing. We just want to go right back because it was so scary. Um, just like I'm sure like some of your your listeners and your clients, the day they choose to retire is a scary moment because you're jumping off a kind of a cliff, right? And you're committing. And so just to, it's the scariest thing to have your wildest dreams come true. And, you know, people dream about retirement, but when you get to that retirement day, it is, it is unnerving. And so I felt unnerved and we um, chose to say, we're just going to take the boat out one time before we make any drastic decisions. We'll go on one little excursion. And we did. And, <laughs> and it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, no. It was everybody, everybody got seasick. We, we learned that the place where we were picking up our boat, the entrance to the channel was the most treacherous harbor in the Caribbean. And so getting at, just getting out into the ocean was like, I thought we were going to lose a kid overboard. Stuff was falling all over inside the boat. And by the time we got to our destination, I could barely get the boat anchored. And I was like, you know what? I, I literally said to our kids, whose dumb idea was this? And, Humor. And they, you know. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. And, and so like we laugh about this now, but I'm trying to put myself there. And it's not fun. We, no, but we have a really good strategy. And once we slept, we didn't eat really but anything but broth that night. And we just like slept on the floor. We didn't even go down to our beds. But then the next day we we did our our routine. Yeah. So one of the things that Emily and I established early on in our marriage. 1996. That's right. <laughs> Whenever we feel stuck or overwhelmed, we get grateful. We just stop and we look around and we, cause, cause one of the things that we say about this trip is one of the, the questions that tipped us over the edge to go was we would ask ourselves what could go right. So much of all the, the noise about why not to do this trip was answering the question, what could go wrong? And there was, there were definite answers to that. The question that got us on the trip was what could go right? And once we started to explore that, we thought, oh man, the opportunity cost of not going on this trip is huge. We have to go. So that's what got us there. And at this moment we said, okay, what's going awesome right now? What are we grateful for? And as we looked around and we actually asked our kids and we videoed their answers. And whenever we speak, we share our kids' answers of what they were grateful for right there and then in that moment. And it always takes us back to whenever we're feeling stuck, overwhelmed, or we're in that, that drudgery of, hey, it's exciting to get started, but it's hard to always keep going. Right. We say, okay, what's going well right now? And in fact, when we have our business meetings on the regular, we the first thing we do is we ask the question, what's awesome about right now? And we just look back at the week and we list everything that's gone well, then we get into the rest of the agenda for our meeting. But we always take stock of what our wins are, what our successes are, and why we have reasons to be grateful. Because gratitude gives you stamina. And even the elite athletes have said that nobody just stays focused. We always fall off focus and have to come back. And gratitude helps us come back into focus and, and gives us the stamina to keep going. That's our secret, Telton. That's great. That is so good. I'm I'm glad I am here. I'm glad every one of my listeners is hearing this. This is wonderful. So, man, there's so much I want to know about about that experience. We're we're gonna table that. We'll read the book and then we'll uh, and then have you on again. <laughs> we'll we'll take questions. Everybody, there's a whole year's worth of adventures. Yes, everybody. Uh, Read seven and see, and then available where all good books are sold. There you go. That's true. Is there is there any tips to get it? Just Amazon. Amazon. 
wherever. Yeah, okay. honestly, wherever. And then, you know, you, you can send your questions to me. We'll, we'll have the Hortons on again. We'll ask the questions I didn't deal. I'll hold you to that, Tilton. Okay, I would love it. Hey, I'm going to pop in right here. Are you inspired or what? Obviously, I hope you'll think about getting their book. I know I'm going to. And uh, this is a good place to stop for this week. So be sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes. And then don't worry, I'll be back next week with the third and final installment of my interview with the Ortons. Hey folks, one last thing. If you have not checked out the Retire Confidently program recently, you really need to. We have drastically changed the cost associated with that program. So to go to teltonhall.com forward slash program and then click sign up and then put in the discount code podcast, podcast, all caps. You're going to be blown away at the price that you'll pay for what a program that could massively change your retirement outlook, your confidence towards your retirement, and make thousands, ten thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars of difference in your retirement. Don't miss this. Take advantage of it right now. Teltonhall.com forward slash program. Click sign up. Use the discount code PODCAST in all caps and for the price of, I mean, the less than a pair of basketball shoes, less than a really nice dinner out, you can get access to a program where we've seriously tried to give you every tip, every trick, every piece of education, every strategy that we can to turn any angst you have about retirement into confidence towards your retirement. Check it out. Teltonhall.com forward slash program. I am super excited for you. Your future retired self is ecstatic for you.